Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Sensational She Geek live from Yancey Street. Today is not January 1st, it is the 17th of January 2022, and I am finally getting around to posting, better late than never, my personal Best of Comics 2021 list. This is a very extensive list. The categories that I'm going to be going over in this episode for Best in Comics 2021 includes Best Series, um, and I'm splitting that up into DC, Marvel, and Indie Series, just because that's tends to be an easier way to kind of go about categorizing things. Then we have the Best of Future State specifically. DC Future State happened February and January 2021. It's been a year already, if you can believe that. And so I have my favorite uh, Future State projects that came out. Um, and for the most part, the effect of those going into... Let's see, is that right? They go Seeing us get to that point that we saw in Future State, um, if that makes sense. But we'll talk about all that when we get there. I also have category for the best writers that I ha I, I saw this year, all their projects that they went through as well. Um, and I have two categories for artists. It is best interior artists and best cover artists. And then I have one final creator category, which is get you one who can do both. And this is... Um, Simply Mirka Andolfo, Peach Romoko, and Maria LaVey, if that is how you say her last name, um, because they have earned it by being writing artists, artists who write, writers who art, um, and absolutely killing it when they do that. So they have earned themselves a special section of their own. Before we get into uh, my number one one-shots and single issues of the year, there's a number of issues that stand alone on their own, completely sturdy and fantastic. Uh, and then I have some excellent starts, that things that kicked off in the very end of 2021, but we'll be seeing mostly in 2022. Uh, I have breakout names. Now, these are names that are my personal names that have broken out onto my radar in 2021 doesn't mean that their career just started by any means it just means that I have been seeing them a lot more often in the comics community and of course this would not be complete without the biggest disappointments of 2021 there's a there's a good amount on this list I think the biggest harping that I'm going to be going on is of course the Dan Slot Fantastic Four um which Wooey, that is a bad one. Uh, but we'll cover that and all of the other disappointing comics with a bit of humor because that's what we, how we love to do things here. Um, and the final category that we have is characters to watch in 2022. This covers entirely comic book characters, uh, although a number of them are going to be appearing in non comic book properties. They'll be appearing on screen in various places. So that's another reason that people have been added to this list, but they're all also going to be in the comics big time in 2022. And so I have who they are and why you should be looking out for them. Uh, and that's what we've got for the best in comics 2021. I can't really reiterate enough that this is my personal best in comics list. This is not what I'm saying. Um, are the only good comics. <laughs> There's so much out there. I, I cannot tell you enough. I don't even know how much there is out there. That's how much there is out there in terms of comics and graphic novels to read. Um, 
And so what I have on my little list here, though it is pretty extensive for, you know, one person's list, this is not a fraction of what the industry has to offer. So if it seems like I'm leaning really hard on the Cape comics or leaning really hard on a certain character or a certain area of the industry, and you don't really think that that's what you saw the best of in 2021, that is totally fine because whatever you saw the best of in 2021 may not have even shown up on my radar because I'm just haven't made it that far into con. There's so much out there. One person could only, can only really re spend so much time reading comics and, um, for all the time in the world, you cannot read them all. Not even, not even the smallest fraction of them all. So again, this is, just my personal best in 2021 list based upon the comics that I came across in 2021. I usually do some pretty long shout outs in the beginning of my various social medias, but uh, if you're new here, my Instagram is the best place to find me if you'd like to interact with me in some way, any questions or comments or anything like that. Instagram is Anna with the comics because my name is Anna and I have the comics. Um, you can go to my website if you would like to find the various places that you can listen to the podcast or read the podcast. I do post the podcast notes that I take. I'm a little behind on that again, but I'm hoping to get that posted when I post this best of comics 2021 list, which for a lot of people I imagine will be easier to read than listen to me go on and on and on about because it's just how some people you can scan it you can look for things that you you know are looking for whatever the case may be uh, that's why I put that up there for you to utilize but my website is www.sensationalshegeek.weebly.com if you would like to check any of that out I also have a number of articles about uh, somewhat relevant things in the comics industry and community, so you can check those all out across my website as well. This podcast is going to be made available to the patrons of the podcast for a few days before I post it for the rest of the comics community or podcast community uh, listening community. Um, so if you too would like to be able to access these special edition podcasts a little bit early, uh, my Patreon is again, Sensational She Geek. It's very easy to find and I'm never going to track you down and ask why you uh, were a part of it one month and not the next. I honestly don't even pay it that much attention. I just kind of let it ride. Um, so no hard feelings. And if that's not the way that you want to be, spend your money, again, totally get it. Um, that's all extremely voluntary. But if you are curious, the next special edition podcast I'm going to be recording this week and posting to the patron page uh, by the weekend and then making it available next week for the rest of listeners. So if you're interested in any kind of She-Hulk content, I will be getting a massive Jennifer Walters She-Hulk episode up uh, for patrons before anybody else this week. As for why this episode has been delayed till halfway through January... 2021, I don't even know, 2022 <laughs> has started off a little bit rocky and things have been smoothing out, thankfully. Um, however, it does not mean that um, my life hobbies and such as this were 
untouched by that mess that kind of happened at the beginning of the year. But now that things are getting back on track, I'm hoping the podcast will as well. And I'm super excited to bring you new content. So let's go ahead and get going. The first category we are talking is best comic book series of 2021. We're going to start off with DC Comics category, and then we're going to go into Marvel and then Indie Comics. So starting off with DC, we have quite a few really excellent things. And interestingly enough, all of them except for... One moment, please. One, two, three... All of them except for three are DC Black Labeled properties. What can I say? I'm a fan of the dark and gritty. Is that even how you could... You could I don't think you can even describe Black Label that way. Uh, in any case, um, odds are if you are going to give me a DC comic and have me enjoy it, make sure it is a DC Black Label comic. So kicking that off is not a DC Black Label. This is actually from DC Young Animal, which for whatever reason is their like uh, young adult imprint. Um, but Far Sector is not, I mean, it's not an all-ages comic by any means, um, but I, I feel like you could definitely have young adults reading it for sure. Um, Far Sector was 12 issues, only three of them came out in 2021, but it is such a phenomenal thing that I feel like I have to mention it. It was written by N.K. Jemison, who is an award-winning author, and drawn by Jamal Campbell, who is one of my favorite comic artists. He does some really good, I want to say cartoony um, aesthetics in his work, but in a very realistic way. <laughs> that makes no sense. Um, but he did the art on Brian Michael Bendis's Naomi series, if you're familiar with that at all. That was all Jamal Campbell's design and work for Naomi. And Far Sector, from issues 1 through 12, had some of the best variant cover artists available on their B covers. The cardstock covers uh, for DC Comics you usually get an A cover and a B cover and that's about it. Um, where the A cover is the standard cover and the B cover is cardstock. So the cardstock covers for Far Sector through and through were some of the best, most consistently excellent artists that you can get in the industry at this time. Um, I'm talking names like Sanford Green, um, Jamie Campbell, Jen Bartell, Mirka Andolfo, uh, Megan Hetrick, Lee Inyuk, um, Stefan Sejic, which I'm sure is not how you pronounce his name, but some of the biggest names in variant covers uh, in comics right now were on Far Sector, so I cannot recommend enough you check that out. Um, aside from the fact that it has truly fantastic plot and, and writing, um, N.K. Jemison is an award-winning writer for a reason. And what she and Jamal Campbell do with the series is use space cop in space story to tell Earth issue story, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, very broad overarching metaphors of our own world that you cannot ignore and were incredibly timely um, of so when the comic was coming out through some of our own social troubles in our real world. So um, cannot recommend Far Sector enough. It is probably one of my favorite maxi series that I've ever read. Batman Imposter was a three-issue magazine format DC Black Label series that finished up in December from Matson Tomlin and Andrea Sorrentino. And apologies to my husband for... Um, 
when I tried to call him out for being sexist for saying that that was a male artist uh, and I said it was a female it is a male artist so my bad um this was a really phenomenal series um again DC Black Label as most of the rest of these DC comics will be um because it showed Bruce Wayne in the way that to me makes the most sense how would a kid who saw his parents get murdered in front of him and then goes and gets into this deep dive of like martial arts and um world traveling and weird dark occult stuff how how is that kid grow up to be a playboy <laughs> how how does that happen um the most realistic thing in that scenario is that he's a recluse which i think is what we're gonna be seeing in the matt reeves batman movie so fucking hyped for that <clears throat> it's just comics and it's just comics um but <laughs> trying to rein in everything here um but he would be a recluse and the batman that we see here he is this is this is like a year two ish story of him being the batman and he is 100 percent bruce wayne the recluse spider shoot that's not recluse is the right word now i'm just thinking spiders um he has most of the mansion boarded up um oh um um alfred alfred left a long time ago when when bruce was still a kid because he had severe issues um in social situations with other children um beating people up and starting fights and stuff so alfred gave up and left and they sent him off to military school and i feel like that, that how could that character be a playboy in any reality so this was a really great take on batman and it was a great psychological take because uh, because they actually had bruce wayne's therapist psychiatrist as one of the main characters telling the story um and how she interacts with him and finds out that he's batman and she hasn't seen him since he was a kid but knows his history because she was his therapist back then um and then you add in this other element of this detective woman who uh, he really just clicks with right away and it becomes very interesting their relationship because she is in a lot of ways the same as him which leads up to this really funny scene where she is confronting him um, and she says something about their similarities and he says what you mean the way we both saw our parents killed in front of us as children which is that's is true and she's like um no i meant the way that we both went to harvard and both spent some time in brazil <laughs> as adults uh, making him look like a real asshole um and again those are all things that they do actually have in common so it makes sense that they clicked the way that they did um i don't really want to say the ending here because it is such a fantastic series but the point the whole point of it is there is somebody who is pretending to be Batman who is just going around killing all the villains. Um, and so Batman's trying to prove that that's not him. Um, he doesn't kill. So um, it's a very complicated story. It's a very surprising but satisfying romance element to it. And I think the way that it ends was very, very well done. Batman Catwoman by Tom King came out with eight issues in 2021 of 12 total, 13 if you count the special that they're going to be coming out with uh, later this month or February. I'm genuinely not sure how far back that got pushed to. It is again another DC Black Label title with art coming from Clayman and a little bit from Liam Sharp, which I can't say I feel fits the story in the slightest, but the Clayman stuff is to die for. 
Batman Catwoman does take place over three different eras, uh, which I'll go over now. The first time period is the past where the bat and the cat have first fallen in love. The second time period is the distant future where Bruce and Selina have been married for many years, their daughter has grown up to be Batwoman, and Bruce has now passed. And then we have the present, which is present Bruce and Selina, when their romance is threatened by Andrea Beaumont, aka the Phantasm. So this actually brings in the Mask of the Phantasm movie and makes it canon with the DC comic universe, which is really, really cool. Like with much of Tom King's work, this plays out when you read it a lot like a TV show, which makes it very satisfying reads, um, and is why Tom King is one of my favorite writers of this era of comics. We are on issue something like 9 of 12 at this point, um, and I believe the next issue that's coming out is the Christmas special, <laughs> however far back that was pushed from Christmas, and then we'll kick back in with more Liam Sharp art. The Christmas special is going to have art from mostly Mitch Garrods. Speaking of Tom King and Mitch Garrods, Strange Adventures was a 12-issue series, five of which came out in 2021, and it has most definitely earned its spot on this list. Once again, DC Black Label. This is from Tom King with art by Mitch Garrods as well as Doc Shainer. A million articles have been written about the impressiveness of the duality between the art of Mitch Garrett's and Doc Shainer and the duality of the stories being told, being unfolded. The story itself is a mystery surrounding Adam Strange, who is himself a very mysterious character, um, tying in his history with very um, classic sci-fi traditions. And the person who is unfolding this mystery is actually Mr. Terrific, who is the smartest man in the DC universe, um, and who you cannot read the series about and not become a fan of. Um, again, really satisfying ending to this one. It has come out completely now, uh, and if you like a good mystery, this will be a thrilling read for you. Batman Reptilian completed completely during 2021 with six issues, again, DC Black Label. This was written by Garth Ennis with art by Liam Sharp, and this time Liam Sharp's art was a fantastic choice. Um, this story is, uh, it's hard to describe without giving away too much, and I do want you to be reading these series that I talk about if you haven't. Uh, so I don't want to give away the entire ending, but the story is about basically a mysterious reptile creature that is terrorizing the streets of Gotham, and Batman is trying to figure out where it comes from. And to give you a hint of where it comes from, it has to do with Killer Croc, but definitely not in the way you think. Um, this was a series that was incredibly entertaining, but that had me tweeting Garth Ennis asking if he's in therapy, so keep that in mind. <laughs> The other history of the DCU was five magazine format issues, four of which were in 2021. Again, DC Black Label. They were all written by John Ridley with art by the team of Giuseppe Camancoli and Andrea Cucci. Each of the five issues were about a different character of color in the DC universe. 
Um, the first issue, which came out in 2020, was about Jefferson Pierce, Black Lightning. Um, and oh, and each each issue, each character that they are about, it coincides with a time period in DC history. So 1972 to 1995 is Jefferson Pierce, Black Lightning. And then you get 1970 to 1989 in issue two, and that is Karen Beecher Duncan and Mal Duncan, aka Bumblebee and Mal. <laughs> 1983 to 1996 is Katsu Yamashiro, Katana. Uh, issue 4 is 1992 to 2007, Renee Montoya. The question, specifically, is the question. She has a several um, identities as a hero, but this was for the question. And issue 5 was 1981 to 2010, Anissa Pierce, Thunder, Black Lightning's daughter. So it goes full circle there. Um, and this is, again, by John Ridley, who I have to keep reminding every time I bring him up, is an Oscar-winning writer, and that is for good reason. Um, he has written some of the most poignant DC Comics prose and um, dialogue that I have, if you hear the tapping, it's my washer, sorry, that I have ever come across. Um, and he's now moved on to Black Panther at Marvel, so follow him there if you want to continue reading this while he's also uh, been doing the I Am Batman stuff. Um, but then we'll get to more of that later, but um, John really just has a ridiculously fantastic way um, of portraying these characters the way that they deserve to be portrayed. Another DC Black Label property making the list this year is Catwoman Lonely City. It is a three-issue series, two of which are taking place in 2021. Uh, again, magazine format, and this is by Cliff Chang, written and drawn. It's following Selina Kyle some years, it's I believe 10 years after a massacre called Fool's Night took the lives of Batman, the Joker, Nightwing, Commissioner Gordon, and more. Um, and Selina is now out of prison and going off on a new score. We've seen some really, really great additions to, um, well, not additions, but follow-ups of characters from the DC universe where they would be 10 years later, that kind of thing. Um, and it's had some of the greatest montage se sequences I have ever read in comics. Again, Catwoman Lonely City by Cliff Chang. Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow is an eight-issue series, six of which have come out in 2021. It's again another series by Tom King, and it has had art by the phenomenal Bilquis Evely. Um, this is a story, of course, following Kara Zor-El, aka Supergirl, um, and how she encounters this young woman whose family has been slaughtered, um, or whose, excuse me, whose planet has been slaughtered, slaughtered and she wants to have Supergirl assist her in her revenge. So um doesn't sound like much when I say it like that, but it is a heart-wrenching story and phenomenally written and possibly even better drawn. Superman and the Authority was four issues, all of which came out in 2021. It was Grant Morrison's last work for DC Comics, um, and he did the series with artists Mikael Janin and Travel Foreman. Um, we have some really, really great characters who Grant brought into the series as... Um, <laughs> it's a very gay series, and I mean that in the absolute best way possible. Um, from the first issue, the first time Superman speaks, 
this is a DC universe that is very much more queer um, in the best way possible, and I adore it, and <laughs> um, I just, I love that Grant Morrison has this following of dude bros, um, or at least so it seems for a lot of the time, and he just gave them, they just gave them this incredible gay series as their wrap-up at DC Comics, and I love it so much, and it was really, really good, um, and it, it, it does a little bit of work for connecting the future state stuff to where we are in DC Comics now, so even better. Wonder Girl is by Joelle Jones, and Joelle Jones, and Joelle Jones. Uh, I'm not sure how many issues it's going to be, but there have been six in 2020, and there's at least going to be eight. Um, other creators on the team are artists Adriana Mello, Layla DeLuca, or sorry, Layla Del Duca, and colorist Jordi Belair. This is following Yara Floor Wonder Girl um, and her journey to become Wonder Girl um, from just Yara Floor. And that is going to take, um, take care of a lot of the work between now and where we see her in Future State. Moving on to Marvel Comics series of 2021, Best Of, we're starting off with Beta Ray Bill. This was written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson. It was five issues and some of the most emotionally astounding Marvel comics from the year, if not the past several years. Um, it was a story, of course, of Beta Ray Bill, who is this uh, Thor character, uh, everybody makes fun of his horse face and stuff. Um, and it's Dina Warner Johnson is very much to be known as an artist who does metal stuff with his art and his stories. It's very metal, hardcore. And so when we heard the story was coming, we're like, oh yeah, he's he's going to give us this crazy intense Beta Ray Bill bashing people's faces in across space or some shit. Um, and while we did get a lot of that, what we also got, more importantly was an incredibly heartfelt, caring story about a man, basically, who um, is deep down incredibly unhappy with his appearance and the way that he feels like that has assigned him to a life of loneliness. Um, and nobody saw that coming. I don't think anybody saw that coming in the series. Um, until we've read the first issue, but I'm so glad that he went in that direction with it. Peach Momoko's Demon Day series really took the year by storm. It is a five-part series, then four of which came out in 2021, with Demon Day's X-Men, Mariko, Cursed Web, and Rising Storm. She has done the Marvel Universe in her own image, basically, in her own imagination, at least, um, and it ties in so many so many tropes and characteristics of traditional Japanese storytelling. Um, it's really a phenomenal study of creative writing in a modern era. So, um, and of course, Peach Momoko is a hugely popular artist right now. Uh, so it is a very hot commodity and it's going to wrap up in March with Demon Day's Blood Feud. X-Men Inferno is Jonathan Hickman's final work for Marvel Comics uh, and his work time at the X-Men. Um, it's four issues, which was a little bit shorter than I would have liked, uh, but it did wrap up the entire story uh, as best as he could because they did cut him off short. 
but we're not going to bitch anymore about that right now. Uh, <laughs> but he really did do a great job of gracefully getting his part of the X-Men history to come to an end while leaving room for them to continue on with the rest of what they were doing. Uh, artists on this series rotated between Valerio Shitty, R.B. Silva, and Stefano Caselli. New Mutants had nine issues in 2021. They are on issue 23 right now, and in 2021 we had the incoming team of Vita Ayala and Rod Reese on New Mutants, uh, which was a really fantastic team. They started us on some new storylines following the younger generation of New Mutants, which I feel like is very appropriate, while the older generation of New Mutants have their own stuff going on as well. Uh, brought in the Shadow King, dealt with a lot of that, the whole idea of people getting second chances on Krokoa. Um, and really wrapped up uh, getting this first era of New Mutants on Krakoa kicked off, if that makes any sense. Um, and they're going to be back again. Um, I think they have one issue coming out in February and then one in March for the new story arc, which is going to be very heavily involving magic as well as Madeline Pryor. Black Widow had eight issues in 2021, is written by Kelly Thompson with art mostly by Elena Casagrande, who has some of the best uh, action layouts I have ever seen in comics. Um, this, eerie, this series, I will say, was a little bit of a snooze for a few issues, um, but now we are back in the running with things being interesting, <laughs> and we have Spider-Girl uh, on, on the team, as well as Yelena Belova and a new character who Thompson created uh, just a few issues ago for the series. So it's, uh, it's a really cool team of women that Natasha has running with her right now, and Kelly Thompson does a fantastic job of writing her. The Mighty Valkyries had five issues. Um, they were written in part by Jason Aaron uh, and in part by Torin Grobeck, with art by Erica D'Urso and Mattia DeLulli. This was a really great series. Um, it followed a couple of different storylines, um, one of which was involving Loki's son, Moore, who is actually two people in one and is also a kind of wolf-human hybrid. Norse mythology, what can you say? Um, involving Jane Foster, involving Hela, involving Hela's wife, um, who steals a set of triplets from their mother um, before they're even born, actually. So imagine how horrifying that would have been. Um, it involves Craven the Hunter um, and this new Valkyrie, who um, Runa is her name, and who I can't quite decide if they're going to reveal is the MCU Valkyrie or, or if she's based off of her or what. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure she's just based off of her. Um, but that is a, uh, she's a new character who's been pretty relevant. Um, and she is one of the original nine Valkyries, and she's also the original wielder of Yarnborn, the axe, um, if you're familiar at all with that axe. Um, so really cool to see her story, her backstory kind of unfold, and also to see all of those complicated elements, Hela and the babies and um, Jane Foster and more, all of that come together really, really well. Hellions was one of the best, um, 
one of the best series that came from Hickman's X-Men stuff, most consistent at the very least. It did have 11 issues in 2021 that consisted of issues 8 through 18. They were all by Zeb Wells with art by Steven Segovia. Um, the beginning of the series, when it started off some years ago, was a bit up and down because it did bring back Madeline Pryor and then it did kill her off immediately after. Um, but the series also ended in her return, so hey. I <laughs> um, and all in the midst of that, it had some of the greatest, most realistic character stories and arcs that I think has been written in X-Men in a long time. And the fact that it's not going anymore is severely disappointing. Uh, and I'm very curious if that has to do with Hickman's era being over, or if this was always where they planned on ending the series with 18. That moves me on to Indie Comics 2021 Best Of. We're starting with Homesick Pilots. It had 12 issues. Well, no, it's only had 10 issues so far. Nine in 2021. It's coming from Image Comics creators Dan Waters and Kaspar Wingard. W-I-J-N-G-A-R-D. So it's not my fault. I said it wrong. It's weird. And mutter, mutter, mutter. Um, Homesick Pilots is a crazy cool story. It takes place in 1994 about a haunted house in California, uh, who this lead singer of a high school punk band, Ami, goes missing and turns out that she has, like, become a ghost inside the house or a being inside the house and she can, like, control the ghosts and the ghosts talk to her and and it kind of um, leads you to what turns out to be a much bigger mythology of this world and how the ghosts work and um, how they come to be and how you ward them off, what their purpose is, stuff like that. So... Um, I was really unsure of where the series was going to end because it's not been said particularly, but it's hard to say if things are ongoing these days. Um, and I was really happy to find out that we're getting a second series of Homesick Pilots. Not a second series, it's, it's continuing with issue 11 starting, I believe, in February. So um, if you want to jump on there, I'm sure that would be perfectly fine and you'll be able to figure it out more or less. But uh, Homesick Pilots was easily... Um, as all of these indie issues, all of these indie series I'm talking about here are one of, it was one of those series that grabs you immediately and sucks you into it and you just are attached to it from the first page. So really, really great stuff. The Many Deaths of Layla Starr was five issues from Boom Comics creators Rom B and Felipe Andrade. Um, this one <laughs> was a very special one. Um, and I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean that in, it, it was a special experience to read this story. Um, it is about the Hindu goddess of or Hindu god of death who uh, gets fired from her job because the man who is going to invent immortality has been born. So she's decided she's not. It's decided she's not needed anymore, and uh, she is retired onto earth into this body of a recently deceased young girl called Layla Starr and each issue uh the god death accidentally kills Layla Starr get kills himself in Layla Starr's body again and it just so happens that the sun god really admires her and keeps bringing her back some years later until the end of the series when the old man has discovered the immortality and X happens. Again, trying not to spoil this for you. Um, I would be surprised if this one hasn't won any awards and never does. Um, it's the kind of thing that you expect to get awards up the ass. 
Luna was five issues from Boom Comics by Maria LaVey. <sighs> I love Maria LaVey. Um, uh, what the description of this comic says is that it's for fans of Faithless and Die, which is pretty good. Um, it's very biblical. It's very symbolic. It's very um, beautifully artistically. Um, I don't really know what to say about Luna, but it's a story of a young woman who has these prophetic dreams. They connect her to something else and she kind of stumbles onto it in the desert um, in, in this cult scenario. It's a very cool series. Again, extremely symbolic in every sense. So I, I really, really... Uh, a lot of Maria LaVey's stuff is symbolic like that. So I, I really got a kick out of it. Maneaters, The Cursed, five issues from Image, um, and this was from the Maneaters team, which is the best team, creative team, I have ever encountered in comics. Uh, no exaggeration, this is Chelsea Kane, Liam Minternik, Kate Niemzik, Rachel Rosenberg, and Joe Karamanga. By the way, uh, I said Rachel, but it's Rochelle Rosenberg, is also a professional bodybuilder? I am not joking. She would be um, the 90s live-action She-Hulk, you know, with the body paint. Um, she's impressive. She is a beast. But anyway, she's also a great colorist of <laughs> her comics. Uh, this was a follow-up to the original Man-Eaters series about, uh, what does it say here? It says, another tale of adolescent feminist daring do and supernatural hijinks. It really is that. It's, ugh... Uh, the character of Maud is sent to craft camp and things go south and it says about it, it is smart, laugh out loud, funny, provocative, referential, scary, shockful of ephorema, and compulsively rereadable, plus fairies. It, it really is great. Um, I definitely think that men would not like it because I feel like this is something that men just don't understand about humor in a certain way. <laughs> um, but I, I love this. I love man eaters. I love anything this team puts out for forever. The Me You Love in the Dark is five issues from Image again. Scotty Young and Jorge Corona are the creative team. This has a big overarching metaphor about abusive relationships. Um, it is a woman who is an artist who checks herself into a basically haunted mansion for inspiration. Uh, it turns out it really is haunted and things do not go well after she starts um, getting closer to what is haunting it. So uh, very, very, there, there's some really creepy parts to it, but in like the best possible way. It's the kind of creepy that you want to be in your, your creepy comics. Mama was five issues from Boom by Sass Millage. This is one that was drawn and written by the same person. Um, if there is anything that I can prepare this to, it would be, um, uh, it would be the Studio Ghibli films. That aesthetic of the, that, that style of artwork um, where the world, it looks like is painted in gouache and the, the, the roundness of the elements and the backgrounds and the characters who were involved being two young women. Um, uh, Mama was, was a special one for me, too. Um, 
really hit me in a special spot that it's hard to describe without you actually reading it yourself. Um, but it's this young witch who is trying to solve these little mysteries in their village for her friend. Um, coming of age story, you could also say. So really great work. The Good Asian has 10 issues. It was originally planned to be shorter and there are seven that came out in 2021. It's coming from image creators Pornsack Pichichot and Alexandra Tefenki. Um, the story is following 1936 Chinatown detective Edison Hark, who is himself Chinese-American, um, and it goes around, it, it's a detective noir story, and it, it follows around a lot of um, the socio-political elements of Chinatown versus the police uh, versus the government kind of things that were going on in that era. Um, things that are incredibly real historically. Um, so it's, it's, I, I, I very much appreciate seeing those stories explored, um, in this format. It's kind of like if you saw the Netflix movie, The Harder They Fall, it was about a bunch of black cowboys, basically, uh, in extremely short. That is not to say that they made up a bunch of characters who were black cowboys so that they could have a black cowboy story in the West. Those were real characters. Those were real people. They are historical figures. There were black cowboys in the West. Just because Hollywood has, has painted our understanding of the Old West to be mostly white doesn't mean that's what it was. Um... And this is the same kind of thing. Just because the era, you know, 1936, that era, when we look back on it, we see a lot of whiteness. That doesn't mean that there was only white people around. This is the other side of that coin. It's it's the rest of the stories that are out there finally getting explored. Die is probably a number of people's, um, some of their favorite indie stuff of all time. It had 20 issues in total, 20-sided die, that was the plan from the beginning, and only five came out in 2021, but it was phenomenal. Uh, this is from Kieran Gillen and Stephanie Hans, and from Image Comics, it is basically real D&D. If you like D&D and you haven't read this comic, why not? Department of Truth is not one that I read very much, honestly, um, especially not in 2021, but I know that it has been really great in that it explores the conspiracy theory side of the world, um, and it's it's put out a number of really, really good explorations of specific conspiracy theories, these theories that come out um, and how they are actually harmful to society. Uh, it has had... 10 Issues in 2021 is by James Tynion, who you all know is not a favorite writer of mine. Um, and it has rotating artists, but it's mostly focused around Martin Simmons. Cinnamon had only three issues. Um, it was written by Victoria Douglas for Behemoth Comics. This is the cat story that we always wanted. It is a little house kitten who, um, you know, one side of the story is just normal you watching the, the human pet her and stuff. The other side of the story is the world through Cinnamon's eyes, where, as it says here in the solicit, countertops become skycrapers, cat toys become biker gangs, and perilous giant robots rampage on the daily. Um, that's the laser pointer. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. It's really sweet. And I really want them to put out more. 
Oh, and Victoria Douglas was also the creator of Fun Girl, I believe. Oh no, I think I'm wrong about that. Just kidding, but check out Fun Girl. Barbaric had only three issues, but it's going to be picking back up with a fourth sometime here in 2022. It is from Vault Comics by creators Michael Marici and Nathan Gooden. Um, it was, again, one of those ones that just latches into you immediately. Um, I was really disappointed that it only had three, but I am so pumped for more. Monstrous and Bliss are the last two that I have here for the indie list. Uh, they both come from Image. Monstrous had six issues in 2021. It's starting back up this month. Um, and there are up to issue 38 has been solicited. Monstrous is by Marjorie Liu and Sana Takeda and what is one of the best fantasy stories I have ever read in comics. And Bliss was by Sean Lewis and Caitlin Yarsky. It had four of the eight issues in 2021 and explored a lot of really interesting concepts that uh, drug abuse, addiction, family, fathers and sons, um, responsibility, the mob, you know, it explored so many really cool things with little metaphors into this other fantastical world. Now, best of future state, I have four total future state titles that I was blown away by. That was Wonder Woman, Superman, Worlds of War, Justice League, with minor exceptions, and Superwoman. For Wonder Woman, it was two issues only by Joel Jones. It was a story of Yara Flores' Wonder Woman going to hell, or Hades, to bring her best friend back with her. It drops you in on her fully developed hero character and sticks the landing without stumbling an inch. And we have also been seeing the steps put into place uh, for Wonder Girl getting to Wonder Woman. So that is also pretty cool and her ongoing stuff. Superman Worlds of War was two issues by Philip Kennedy Johnson and Mikael Janin. And it was some of, if not the best writing on Superman slash Clark Kent that I have ever had the immense pleasure of reading. Without going on and on about it for all day, it shows the various perspectives different real world people can have on a guy like him and what they think happened to him after he's been disappeared for a while. It also played really well off John Kent being Superman and people not at all feeling the same way about him as they do his father. Um, it also kicked this the plot that we see in this was kicked off a little bit in Superman and the Authority which tied in as well with a Batman special edition and is now going on in action comics Justice League was really good with minor exceptions of continuity errors um, it's not really worth even getting into here uh, but it was two issues it was by Joshua Williamson with art by Robson Rocha um, you have the team was Jonathan Kent, Superman, Yara Floor, Wonder Woman, Joe Mullen, Green Lantern, Andy Curry as Aquawoman, and then we had a non-binary Flash, and Tim Fox as Batman. Uh, I really thoroughly enjoy that lineup of, t of, of heroes as the Justice League, and I really, really hope we get to see more of them together, especially this Flash character, um, whose name escapes me at the moment, Jesse, I believe, Jesse Quick, um... I they were pro them and Andy Curry were my favorite characters to come out of Yara State. Yara State. I said Yara State because I thought of Yara right then. The three of them, <laughs> Yara, Andy, and Jesse, were my favorite things to come out of Future State. Um, and so anything more with any of those characters, I'm always here for. 
And then we have Superwoman. Uh, it was two issues by Marguerite Bennett and Marguerite Savage. Uh, it was exploring some of the most profound characteristics of Kara Zor-El, in my opinion, and it seems to be what made room for Tom King's current Wonder Girl series to have legs to walk on. So that's only better, in my opinion. Now we're going to go on to the best writers of 2021. Now these are in no particular order. Um, for some of them, I'm probably going to cover a lot more of what they did in the year than others. Starting off, though, we have, of course, Tom King. He was involved with three anthology stories, uh, Wonder Woman 80th Anniversary, Superman Red and Blue Number 6, and Batman Black and White Number 2. And then he did five issues of Strange Adventures, nine issues of Rorschach, six issues of Supergirl, three issues of The Human Target, and eight issues of Batman Catwoman. That is a lot of work for one year. Mariko Tamaki, um, her own projects, she did Black Hammer, she wrote all of Black Hammer Visions number four, a one-shot Batman Secret Files Huntress number one, the eight issue. well she did seven of the eight issues of Crush and Lobo, she did four issues for Future State Dark Detective, uh, she did three of the issues of Overwatch Tracer, Lunder Calling, that was just the last half of that series in 2021, and then she did the four issues of Thor and Loki, Double Trouble, and 14 issues of Detective Comics, that was 1034 to 1046, and that goes without even including the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven anthology stories that she put out that year, most notably in my opinion, Women of Marvel number one. Stephanie Phillips has an equally vast resume from the year. Uh, her own projects was a one-shot, Avery number one. She had two issues completed so far of Wonder Woman Evolution. Uh, we Only Kill Each Other, one and two. Haven't read that, gotta say. She wrote Tarna, The Last of Tarkarian, issues two through six. Red Atlantis 3 through 5, A Man Among Ye 4 through 7, Legends of the Dark Knight number 4, DC Comics' Harley Quinn numbers 1 through 10, which is what's come out so far, as well as the Future State Harley Quinn 1 and 2, Detective Comics 1044 through 1046, which had side stories written by her, Nuclear Family 1 through 5, and Octobriana with Love number 1 as well as one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different anthology stories. Vita Ayala, uh, their work was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven anthology stories, as well as story, well, eight, I put DC Pride in the wrong category, eight anthology stories, as well as writing in Wonder Woman 781 to 782, Static Season 1, one through four, Children of the Atom, one through six, Future State, the next Batman 2 and 4 backup stories about Batgirls Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown. Nubia and the Amazons, number one, and I believe two is what was had come out in, uh, in 2021. The rest of the series is coming out in 2022. Uh, they wrote the Heroes Reborn Night Gwen special and New Mutants, number 15 through 23, which is 15 issues of New Mutants. John Ridley, I've already mentioned how fabulous he is. He was a part of five different anthology stories, as well as I Am Batman 0 through 4, The Next Batman Second Son 1 through 4, Future State The Next Batman 1 through 4. He wrote a, a major story in the Free Comic Book Day 2021 Batman number 1 
as an I Am Batman preview. That was a mouthful. The Other History of the DC Universe, 1 through 5, well, 2 through 5 in 2021. Detective Comics 1037B story, and he has kicked off Black Panther 1 and 2. Philip Kennedy Johnson did four different anthology stories this year. He also did, as I've mentioned before, Superman Worlds of War 1 and 2 main stories. Uh, He also did the House of L Superman Future State story, which continued, um, as well as the Action Comics Annual, I believe, that continued the history of the future L's, the future Kryptonians. He wrote Extreme Carnage, Omega, and Alpha, the last image, (laughs) the last issue of The Last God, which was number 12, uh, the Batman Superman Authority Special, number one, and then B stories in Superman 29 through 32, as well as Alien issues two or one through eight, and Action Comics 1029 through 1038, which is 11 issues of Action Comics. Gene Luen Yang has a little bit of a shorter uh, credits list for the year, including three anthology stories and four of his own, uh, Shang-Chi number five, uh, Future State Batman one and two, uh, Batman Superman 16 through 22, and then Shang-Chi one through six of the following series. But more importantly, he has made a deal with Disney for his graphic novel, American Born Chinese, to be adapted into, I believe it is going to be a t- an animated TV series. That is huge, so congratulations to him. Jonathan Hickman was, of course, the head of X through 2021, and did X-Men 17 through 21 in this year, Decorum 7 and 8, finally, which were worth the wait, and Inferno 1 through 3, for being the finale, came out in January. Notably, was also working on Three Worlds, Three Moons on Substack, which is just about endless content based on what I've seen, and all I've seen is the free edition. So I can't even imagine the amount of stuff you get access to if you pay for it. Karen Gillan only had two anthology books. It was Marvel's Pride and Batman Black and White number five, uh, but his own work included Eternals Thanos Rises number one, Eternals Never Die, Never Win, Eternals Celestia, Warhammer 4000, a number of different issues of that, Uh, the last five issues of Die, nine issues of Once in Future, and of course Eternals 1 through 8. I have five artists listed in my favorite interior artists from 2021, starting off in no particular order with Christian Ward. He, in 2021, made the DC move, made the move to DC Comics, which apparently was a big career goal of his, which that alone, I think, deserved him to be on this list. He did a couple of different anthology issues through the year, and he also worked on G. Willow Wilson's Invisible Kingdom. Marguerite Savage, Savage, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, honestly, um, did a number of different things this year, including Future State, Cara Zor-El Superwoman, Wonder Woman Black and Gold number six, Batman Urban Legends number two, and a few other one-shots. Elena Casagrande has still been doing the Black Widow layouts, which are killing. Uh, she worked as, was the only, fe- well, one of the only women on the Captain America anniversary tribute and did seven issues of Black Widow. Adriana Mello did issues two through five of Wonder Wonder Girl alongside Joel Jones and Jordi Belair, as well as Truth and Justice number three, The Marvel's Voices Communidad's number one, where she 
where she drew about America Chavez, and Action Comics 1037 through 38. And finally, Phil Noto, who is one of my all-time favorite interior artists, not just of 2021, um, did the final six issues of Cable, the last couple of issues of Marauders, a beautiful chunk of X of Swords, which I suppose was late 2020. Um, and this year he is going to be doing Devil's Reign X-Men 1 through 3, which I am super excited for, specifically because of his interiors and Emma Frost, but mostly because of his interiors. The get you one who can do both category. I am talking about creators who write and draw. And I know there's a few that I missed. Life goes on. Uh, Mirka Andolfo, just writing. She did Buffy the Vampire Slayer Tea Time one shot. The Red Sonia Holiday Special, Deep Beyond 1 through 11, and Red Sonia 1 through 4. When she's just doing art, she did Superman versus Lobo 1 through 3, which was a magazine format ish, uh, series. The Joker 1 through 4 B stories, and then she wrote Andrew Sweet Paprika 1 through 6, including the main covers and variant covers, and her own series Unsacred 3 through 6. Peach Moko is one of the artists you most frequently see on comic book shelves these days. She did art in Women of Marvel number one, Strange Academy Presents, Death of Doctor Strange number one, had a story in the Captain America Anniversary Tribute, and did her, of course, Demon Days series, X-Men Rising Storm, Mariko, and Cursed Web in 2021. Maria LeVay had a number of her own series published for the first time in English this year uh, that included Eros and Psyche, Porcelain, which was five issues, and Luna, which was also five issues. She also had her art in Razorblades, the horror magazine issue number four. I may be a bit biased, but Tony Frizen is my favorite cover artist, so she gets the top spot in that cover artist of 2021 list. And why am I putting that on here besides that? She is known as a gallery quality artist with about at least three fine art prints that she came out with in 2021. She ended 2020 with a bang after putting out a cover for Jim Henson's Masquerade featuring the Goblin King, specifically not David Bowie for rights reasons, and she maintains a she remains a very common sight among incentive and variant covers in comic shop exclusive variants especially, and she still does a regular a, a ton of regular variants and covers on top of that. Um, one of she's also one of the most drama-free comic creators on social media, posting pretty much strictly her art, her pets, her husband, and the food that she has with her husband and her pets. Megan Hetrick is on this list because her covers are entirely different than her interiors. She often uses oil paintings, and the result is stunning, though in her own words, her style is changing to be a lot more like Frank Frazetta. She's often seen at Dynamite, sometimes Marvel, and less time DC. She does regular interiors of some of the Justice League Ruby stuff and Justice League Infinite stuff, and she has excellent taste in art herself with proven methods of drawing breastuses, and is currently thinking of designing a tarot deck with her own art. She has a very interactive Patreon Discord that gives excellent industry insight. If you would like to join that, I recommend it. Russell Donnerman is on this list due to having multiple exclusives, multiple design covers, and also the Hellfire red carpet covers, um, which were, it's a, you had the 
Hellfire Gala design covers, which was most of the characters across the X-Men stuff, as well as connecting red carpet variants. He's been doing design era design covers featuring all the costumes of various Marvel characters. He did Marauders covers on all the 10 issues plus variants. Uh, he did X-Men lineup trading card variants on the X-Men issues. He did Star Wars comic variants. He did Marvel vs. Aliens variants. And he did Miles Morales 10th anniversary variants. Whew. And finally for this section, Jen Bartel. She's on this list because she is seen across all different publishers in a wide variety of comics, but they all have one thing in common. Her, her morals. She's extremely pro-Asian and Asian-American representation and the representation of female, queer, trans, disabled, etc. people. She is a proud SJW. She did the Women's History Month covers in 2021, DC Pride variants, and she'll be doing upcoming She-Hulk covers. She also remains a source of education and knowledge on art and comic making and does a lot of incentive variants. I have a couple of one-shots that were some of the best one-shots this year, starting off with Eden, which was a one-shot by Colin Bunn and Dalibor Talajic. It was a story of a tattoo artist who meets a woman who can bring her tattoos on her body to life. This tattoo artist happened to have lost his wife and son in a car accident, so he decides to tattoo them on her without telling her. He follows her to where she births the tattoos in this lovely garden, but since he drew more than just simple animals, there wasn't enough of this woman to spread across them, and she ends up being brutally ripped apart, leaving behind two horrifyingly warped, mutated versions of his wife and son. Real memorable stuff. <laughs> Black Cat number seven was the conclusion of the Gilded City arc by Jed McKay, which reinforced Felicia's morality, morality um, in that she is not going to sell out an entire city, uh, the entire city of Manhattan, to basically a demon uh, for money, which um, ends up with her having to sacrifice her oldest friend. But then the issue ends with it being confirmed that she is indeed bisexual. So lots of, it was just a really good issue. It was a great issue. Eternal Thanos Rises was by Kieran Gillen with art by Justin Weaver. It filled out the story of how Thanos came to be and why Eternals cannot have children of their own. Extreme Carnage Lasher number one was by Clay McLeod Chapman with art by Chris Mooneyham and Daniel S. Bayruth. It starts off with the near death of Andy Benton, who is saved by the Scream, Scream symbiote, which is attached to Anti-Venom, creating Silence, who is the new Scream, and who takes out Phage. The Lasher symbiote takes over a vegetable of a hospitalized old man and slaughters its way out of the hospital. Uh, inside the man's mind, he is being seduced by Carnage, dressed as his youthful wife, and then the truth comes out, but it's too late. Um, and when they get to the Lincoln Memorial in DC, he begs to be freed, and the symbiote drops him, banging his head against stuff and killing him. Um, but then Carnage takes him into his mind and tortures him there, so it's not over for him. <laughs> Thor number 18, Master of Whispers, was the story of Throg. After Mjolnir goes missing, Thor needs a spy. Throg is still on Earth, living in the Forever Glade, and Thor interrupts. Throg agrees to spy, but he needs a team. And so he sets up his team of Hugin and Mugen, or Hugin and Munin, Lockjaw, Lockheed, Bats the Flying, or Bats the Ghost Dog, and... 
They are the Pet Avengers. We haven't seen anything come of this yet, but that was by Donnie Cates and Pascal Ferry and Bob Quinn. Sensational Wonder Woman number two was my favorite of the entire series. It is Diana versus Artemis on Warworld. Artemis sent her a distress signal from Warworld, claiming it was a call for a worthy opponent on Mongol's battlefield. When she beats Artemis and refuses to kill her, Mongol comes down from his throne to kill them both. Artemis takes that opportunity to take them out. Turns out she's there to save her soul and sisters, taken by his mother box. He only comes down when he has to kill fighters himself, so she knew she had to get someone to refuse to kill her and to be good enough to get that far. Ultimately, she used her reputation as a hothead to get the plan to work, and it was worked out brilliantly. This is by Andrea Shea and Bruno Redondo. Finally, we have The Many Deaths of Layla Star number three, which is a story called Up in Smoke, told entirely from the perspective of a cigarette. And it was one of the best things I've ever read. <laughs> it's by Ron V and Felipe Andrade. I'm going to leave it there with that one because it is, honest to God, one of the best things I've ever read. Very briefly, excellent starts of the year include Daisy, which had two of five issues by Colin Lorimer, Dark Knights of Steel, which I don't think I need to promote any more than just it being fantastic already is, uh, had two of 12 issues by Tom Taylor of Yaz and Yasmin Putri, and Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazons, had one of its three issues by Kelly Sudaconic and Phil Jimenez. And I am beyond stoked to read more of all three of those. Now, before I get into the breakout names of 2021 section, I have to reiterate again, this is not names that I saw break out in the industry. These are names that broke out into my field of vision in 2021, who I personally started noticing more and more and felt like were worth mentioning. So let's start on this is artists as well as writers. So we have Rose Besh. Um, aside from one cover, her entire comic credits are for 2021, which is pretty impressive because she has 30, over 30 comic credits. Uh, she is a very female forward artist, a big fan of Sailor Moon, and she has a manga-esque style, which is a bit of a trend in popular artists recently, so that's another reason why I think she's going to be doing really well. Uh, she does a lot of comic shop exclusive covers, but she is becoming a little easier to find in person. Pornshack Pichichote, I already talked about um, his, his book, The Good Asian. He is a Thai-American director and former comic book editor who now writes. He, did, he had stories this year in DC Love is a Battlefield, the Festival of Heroes, the Asian Superhero Celebration, uh, and then Razorblades, the horror magazine, and of course his own story, The Good Asian. Jed McKay, um, I saw doing a lot of different stuff this year. I have a long list, gosh. Black Cat, Wolverine, Black, White, and Blood, Taskmaster, 3 through 5, uh, which was the only part that was in 2021. King in Black, The Amazing Spider-Man, number one. He did the Infinite Destinies mini-event. Uh, Avengers Mech Strike, one through five. Death of Doctor Strange, Timeless, number one. Moon Knight, Magic the Gathering. And he is also a member of the Amazing Spider-Man Beyond Board of Creators. So lots going on in the McKay side of things. Kaspar Wingard is the homesick pilot's interiors and main cover artist. 
um, who I have started to see a little bit in other places. It is continuing, uh, Homesick Pilots is continuing in 2022. He's also the co-creator of Limbo, uh, which is a project I'm not familiar with, and he does cover projects for Star Wars, Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, IW, Valiant, and Image. Um, I think that we're going to be seeing him a lot more frequently because he did a free comic book day Judge Dread project with Al Ewing. Um, so big names are fairly familiar with him, and I think that means we're going to start seeing him a lot more in the next year. Finally, Christopher Cantwell. Um, he is somewhat of a newcomer to the industry with credits and his comic writing only dating back to 2018. This year, he wrote Iron Man which I read for Patsy Walker specifically, and then the United States of Captain America regarding the matter of Oswald's body from Boom, uh, The Blue Flame, which was an over-the-hill sci-fi superhero story, and he's starting a new Angel series, which is premiering, I believe, this coming week. And now, the ever-elusive disappointments of 2021. I should not be this excited to talk about this. <laughs> Oh, it's a long list. It's it's it, it's not that long. All right, Adventure Man. This was from Image Comics. The offenders are Matt Fraction and the Dodsons, Terry and Rachel. It was advertised over and over and over about a story 10 years in the making, but it gave us four issues in 2020 and a handful more in 2021. But by then I couldn't find a reason to go back and read more. The fantasy just didn't hold up to what you'd expect to that 10 years in the making claim the story wasn't all that enticing. Good elements, sure, but together, kind of a humdrum way. Though to be fair, the only part I did find interesting was super rad, but admittedly underutilized. The main character is part of a family of, like, eight or something women, adult women now, all adopted from different places in the world, raised with each other's native cultures as much as possible. To make it better, they're all professionals in their respective fields, something that makes them useful to the missions at hand, which I loved in part because of the complaints that it was unrealistic from a bunch of dude bros sitting on their couches with a cell phone. But in my opinion, it was very underutilized and could not keep the draw of the series. We only find them when they're dead, from Boom Comics, Offender being Al Ewing and Simone DeMeo. Here you have a series that has everything anyone has been waiting for. Giant monster-type creatures in space. Mystery, intrigue, transformation. All of which took the extreme backplate to some very generic and boring governmental conspiracy plot lines. You literally have the answer to what people want in comics. You introduce it, then you turn the plot to one of the most boring things I've ever read that took place in space. How do you make space boring? Especially after developing the world the way that they did. It, it was so disappointing. It does continue in 2022, so I may peek back in a couple of months to see if there's any big monster events or whatever having happened or happening yet. The Fantastic Four from Marvel, the offender being Dan Slott. We're even to start here. For the most part, it is miswritten characters that seem to be the issue. Johnny Storm, Alicia Grimm, Doctor Doom, Victorious, and more all dragged through the mud, messing up their reputations established for years otherwise. Um, one quote I have about his run is that it seems like Slot was trying to make a funny book in the vein of JLI and failing miserably. Only thing missing was a bwahaha from Namor. Definitely not the world's greatest comic magazine by a long shot. That's very true. Um, the arc that I am thinking of is the arc where Doctor Doom gets married. <laughs> 
uh, supposed to get married. Um, and it was really incredibly terrible. He has tropes of women hating women and competing against each other for the affection of some lame dude. It's a weird romance comic trope. I don't know. Um, not something you see in the modern era in real life. Uh, the whole one world, one humanity villain mantra was extremely overdone. Um, and then just the, the not writing character as well. I, I, I can't, I have this whole thing here that I could read, but I, it's online. So you can go find my horrible reviews of Dan Slott's writing online, but it, he just, he just really did not do a good job. <laughs> okay. Moving on. The Duggan X-Men, the Jerry Duggan X-Men from Marvel Offender, obviously Jerry Duggan. He is messing up with established stuff that we just established Psychics don't mess with people's minds anymore. Emma isn't a love interest of Scott. Jean is not in a monogamous relationship with Scott. The list could go on. Uh, the best thing about this team is that Laura is involved as a Wolverine. Um, he somehow, Duggan somehow fails to properly characterize every character in this, but he pulls them all off beautifully in Marauders, which is ending. So go figure. Avengers specifically World War She-Hulk from Marvel, the offender being Jason Aaron. Um, it was just trash. It was no point to any of it. Um, I mean, they probably tasked them with getting She-Hulk back to like her sensational physicality and they just did it a really bad way. It was bad and nothing about it had anything to do with World War Hulk. America Chavez, Made in the USA, the retcon they put in there. This is from Marvel, the offenders being Kalinda Vasquez and Carlos Gomez. Uh, the retcon that spurned a thousand fans, taking away America's original origin of being a dimension-hopping interstellar badass who grew up with her lesbian superhero moms in the utopian parallel, which is just as great as it sounds. While she still hops dimensions, kind of... Her powers have been very on the Prince, Prince, who Fritz, and her origin has been reworked so that she is literally just a confused little girl who blacked out um, her very earth-based and cliche science villain trauma. It definitely takes her down a few notches, which in my book is unacceptable for our super-powered femmes. Fight Girls from AWA Offender, Frank Cho. Art was decent. It was just about, probably 7 out of 10 for what we are used to seeing Cho put out. Story was a solid 3.5, 4. Um, Cho spent years pumping this one up, teasing it on social media, um, but it was super meh. It was very meh. Uh, Batman from DC, Offender James Tinian. Um, I think the most accurate description of Tinian's role on Batman was that he couldn't figure out how to write the Bat Family characters, so he just made a bunch of his own characters, hoping that he'd make money off of them getting going big. <laughs> um, it wasn't it was not great. And finally crossover. <laughs> um, you know I was a part of the Sean Gordon Murphy plot holes Kickstarter, whatever it was, Indiegogo um, and we got that recently and I started reading it Plot holes is what crossover was supposed to be, <laughs> but crossover is really just Donny Cates sniffing his own farts, um, and I feel like I shouldn't have to explain it more than that. 
I would like to wrap this episode up talking about characters to watch in 2022. Um, I have a nice little list, but they're a little short blurbs, so it won't take too long. Starting off with Clea. She is going to be the new Marvel Sorceress Supreme starting in March. She's also expected to make her MCU debut in Multiverse of Madness later this year. Wanda Maximoff aka Scarlet Witch. Being a key player in both the Darkhold mini-event and Trial of Magneto, she is definitely being set up for something coming in 2022, no doubt. The Darkhold event ended with her taking the Elder God, Cthon, into her mind and absorbing his power. That is definitely going to be relevant before too long. Pamela Isley, Poison Ivy, obviously. Uh, The last story that we saw Ivy in, which was the Villains Anniversary Special, I believe, um, or just the DC villain special, whatever it was, it ended with the line, Poison Ivy's story blooms in 2022. And also, Frank Cho is doing a cover for a new comic that has her on the cover, but he won't say what it's for. Mm-hmm. Ileana Rasputin, aka Magic. April's New Mutants number 26 brings a lot of new magic content, supposedly. It says a new era for magic fans starts here. I think that's a good enough assumption that a lot will be happening with her this year. Yara Floor, aka Wonder Girl. She is heading into Trial of the Amazons. She is finishing her first series, and she is destined to be Wonder Woman. Additionally, the Wonder Girl CW show is in the works for Yara. Madeline Pryor, the Goblin Queen, she back! Uh, She will be battling Ileana for Limbo, apparently, starting in April, where there is an art germ, one of 50 and one of 100 variants that I would, I want, I need. Jennifer Walters, aka She-Hulk, not only is her new comic series starting this week on the 19th of January, her show starts sometime, I would bet, in June 2022. Selena Kyle, aka Catwoman, she is getting a new creative team in January. Teeny Howard is the writer. Uh, she's also a major player in the Batman movie from Matt Reeves. And Jace Fox, who is the new Batman, I believe, of New York. Um, his I Am Batman series got picked up by fans who didn't like Tinian's main Batman, and he's still got a fair amount of Batman story to play out in 2022. Raven Dalcombe and Irene Adler are Mystique and Destiny. They are major players in this new era of X-Men that we're in now, especially, uh, mainly, in Immortal X-Men, which is coming up pretty soon. They are both members of the Quiet Council now as well. Uh, and again, check out Immortal X-Men if you want to see more of them. Peter Parker, aka Spider-Man, after being out of his own comic title for a period, his triumphant return is expected this year, especially with a big spider anniversary on the horizon. Peggy Carter, aka Captain Carter, after her big on-screen debut in What If, a fan-favorite action figure from Hasbro's Marvel Legends line, and rumors of being in Multiverse of Madness, this is bound to be a big year for the Captain. Plus, she is starting her own miniseries in March. Go Peggy! The Valkyries, Jane Foster, and Runa. Runa debuted in King of Black, Return of the Valkyries, and had a major role in the Mighty Valkyries, plus a story in Marvel's Voices Pride. She and Tessa Thompson MCU Valkyrie are intertwined in being based off of one another, kind of, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to have it confirmed that she is Runa. 
Jane Foster is becoming an Avenger in the comics this year and becoming Thor in the MCU Love and Thunder, so she is another relevant one. Uh, Silence is formally Scream, and she is bonded with Andy Benton. There is more carnage on the horizon this year, so from my eyes, it's only a matter of time before she is going to be back in business and on top. And finally, Saga. Um, Add Saga to your poll list. I don't care if you're going to read it. Add Saga to your poll list because someone out there is going to miss their issue is going to get short of an issue, and there's no reprints happening at Image. Um, so Saga issues might become a thing of very high value, or at the very least, people are going to want them, so you can just give them to people who need them if you happen to get one, you know? Uh, so add Saga to your pull list. I have two comic shops in my local area, and I have Saga on a pull list at both of them, because I am not missing out. It's not happening. I'm doing everything in my power to not miss out on Saga in 2022. And that wraps up my best of 2021 comics list. I am normally doing a Monday episode right now, as it is a Monday. Um, I believe this week's Monday episode is going to be a little late, um, but it's pro- it's going to premiere before this episode does on my regular channel, uh, because this one is going to be premiering on Patreon first. If I can figure out how to do that. Um, so I'll, I'll make sure to get that all set up. And uh, hopefully this will be out for everybody else by the end of the week. And I have a regular weekly episode coming and the She-Hulk prep episode coming. So that is pretty exciting as well. So keep an eye out for those. In the meantime, let me know what your favorite comics were in 2021. I don't want to get in an argument though, so don't bother with that. Um, <laughs> read comics this week. It's my birthday Wednesday. Have an excellent time being a nerd because that's what what else are you going to do? Make, make, make life meaningful with your passion for nerdy stuff. I'm tired. Good night. <laughs>